Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Chatting Fit, the podcast that gives you knowledge and opinions from the world of health and nutrition. I'm your host, Finley McLaren, a personal trainer, health coach and nutritionist with over 10 years experience in the industry, as well as a master's degree in nutrition, physical activity and public health. And today we'll be speaking to Kristen Whitesell. Kristen is an absolute champion of the women's health world. She's the founder of Warrior Woman Mode and the host of the Wellpower podcast. Kristen is a wellness and health coach for women and an expert in nutrition, fitness, breathwork and cold exposure. For sure, we're going to learn a lot by speaking to her. But before we start the show, I'd like to please ask if you can give us a like or a share or a review on whichever podcasting app you're using. The more likes, shares, reviews, whatever we get, the more I'm going to be able to spread better health knowledge to more people. Thanks for listening. Now let's crack on. Okay, wonderful. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. Tremendous. I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, I thought we'd just start off by asking you if you could tell us about your background, your story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I currently run a business called Warrior Woman Mode um, on the backs of a brand called Wellpower, which is over my shoulder in this video, which is my podcast and fitness and wellness platform. I grew up a dancer and that's a a long and winding story just about how I wanted to dance and how my body changed shape but I think my foray into the world of biohacking and fitness and nutrition uh, especially female focused is uh, because there was a a challenge in the in the dancing industry around uh, body dysmorphia and the way that women were under eating in order to be able to stay thin or quote unquote fit is what they thought right in the ballerina sect of the dance world or any of the dance worlds and that thankfully has changed a lot today but just being curious about that for the first uh, teenage years of my life I started dancing when I was five but just like through my teenage years and then and then when I was 17 16 17 years old I was doing food combining and juicing and super weird for that time. I was like a weirdo kid in my performing arts high school. I mean, it couldn't have been any weirder. Braces, glasses, performing arts high school. I was a gem, (laughs) but I was having a great time. I was a nerd, but I was having a great time. And um, in the midst of all of that, I just got more and more curious around what and uh, what ways I could serve my body and my energy, really like my energy well. And I liked to eat food and I wondered what was Uh, sort of the optimal way to do that. And that helped me lean into uh, the next, you know, 10 or 20 years of my life, which was blossoming from a teenager into a career and adulthood and being able to do a lot of certifications around fitness training and group fitness and nutrition and yoga and really this big exploration around biohacking sort of before and during the time that Dave Asprey was Dave. Dave Asprey uh, launched the term biohacking, right? Which is like it's using ancient practices in combination with modern technology and innovation and the whole swath of things in between in order to shift our physiology and shift our body for a like better, happy, healthier, longer, well-lived life. And in the midst of all that, I've used a lot of tools. I've had a lot of fails for sure. You know, you go a little overboard sometimes or something doesn't work for you specifically. And I've gotten to the place where I am here now. I do a lot of, I'm in the coaching space. I do a lot of work with females, although I do work with men and women because I have a huge passion and propensity around training people how to do breath work and cold exposure in a way that can change their performance, change their lives and, and literally transform the people that they are. So it's a big space, it's a big arena for me. I get to play in and I'm so grateful. Yeah, a lot of a lot of strings to your bows. And you started as a dancer and I think I heard you on um, the Biohacker, ba- Biohacker Babes podcast. Um, and you mentioned that you didn't go straight into, I mean, you always had this passion for biohacking and, and breath work and, and, and these different areas in health, but you went off and you had sort of a corporate career. Yeah, I had a crazy corporate career that was wildly fun and exciting and interesting and a place where I really found 
a high level level of success. There was an innate ability in me, even from like the theater days, I've always recognized, I love performing, but I was like less nervous uh, behind stage or directing or organizing, stage managing. And that just came much more naturally to me. And I think that was like something that was recognized. And then I was promoted through the ranks of corporate America at a relatively young age managing not only brands and being creative around brands but managing teams of people and so that came so easily into my life it just sort of showed up one day unexpectedly and i tried out this first job as a young woman in this uh in the the beverage industry actually i played a lot in the in the realms of alcohol spirits and wine for some of the biggest companies in the world as well as um, what i get a lot of times there's a feather in my cap as I helped launch Red Bull in the United States. And oh, so wow. That was a really interesting, um, fun path. You did a good good job on the launch like, there, I can see. It wasn't just me alone. You know what I'm saying? It takes a village, uh, but really interesting from a marketing standpoint, that brand, it was so different. And yeah, I mean, I, I what's really beautiful about my corporate job, because sometimes we look at part A of our life or part D of our life or whatever, and then the next part of our life, and we think, why and how did these things even go together remotely? But the reality is I was traveling all over the world for several years, specifically even in 25 markets in the United States, like hiring and learning about people and and training them to educate other consumers. And it taught me very easily how to speak on a stage, how to get information translated from the ivory tower of either research or brands or distilleries in some cases, which is a really intricate process to make scotch, for example. And then translating that down to a person who can educate someone on a city level you know, just a, a you or me, a, a, an everyday person in a bar. And so whatever that might have been, I was through this huge training cycle and really learned how to run operations in that way. And that wonderfully, thankfully, I had that base to build back to me becoming a master trainer for some fitness formats. And now as I travel around and I teach people how to become breath and cold instructors and work with coaches and speak on stages all over the world. And that without that experience of some stage time in theater school and some corporate, you know, how you navigate the corporate arena, I wouldn't be able to do it so strongly as I do now. And also like, how many times have we heard this story, right? Where someone's like, I'm in a corporate job and it's not really serving me in the way I want it to anymore. Uh, do I take the leap? Do I wait? You know, the money's good or whatever they're saying. And then how do we shift into the next level of our of our best selves or our best selves of our passion whatever it may be mm, well exactly i think i think that's there's so many benefits to having tried as many different industries and as many different role types as possible before you really hone in on what you want to do because my time in corporate as well i mean i wasn't there for that long uh, i think a couple of years i was in sort of corporate selling software in london and it gave me a real insight because before that I'd only really been, I'd been a personal trainer, I'd gone to university, um, I'd done nutrition coaching with people. Um, and I was like looking at people who had a corporate job from like the outside. And I was like, why can't you just get this? Why can't you just get this fitness stuff? Like, why can't you just shoehorn all of these habits into your day? Like, why don't you have the energy to do this? And then when I went and did yeah. the corporate job, I was like, oh, my God, like my my mind is so fucked from the day of like sitting at the computer the whole day and like getting stressed from my life. boss. No and, like, movement just, and stressing bosses. Yeah. It's, just, it's just the most like anti-health like thing you can do. And so like without that experience and that, that level of like empathy, I wouldn't be as good at all. I wouldn't have the level of empathy I do as I do for my clients now who are still in those corporate jobs and who love health and they love fitness and they do a credible job but they're battling against like a rising tide of like their health uh, just just different priorities that are coming from different angles like we have different priorities or we may have the same priorities but a le- less ability to serve them in the ways we want to so like, it seems like you've navigated that move from corporate into the health space really well um and and you've, you clearly have like a deeper knowledge and understanding for your clients that you're working with than than many other coaches who are just coaches and have only been coaches for that amount of time yeah i mean i work with a lot of women entrepreneurs and i know that you know i want to call it a struggle it's sort of you know you put yourself there in entrepreneurship 
and in corporate America. And I like to believe that some of those things have expanded, right? Standing desks and uh, chill out spaces and company headquarters and, you know, quarantine around the world for three years certainly shifted the, the structure and the way that we work. But in some ways, what I see a lot is that people are working more than ever before because they're in their homes and they start their day in their homes in many cases or a few days a week. They're at home now and they're working and then they're working and there's just really like until you leave the room and shut the door. It's not like you're leaving an office and you can transition to your nighttime self. People are just working, putting the kids to bed or going to do a few things or eating a meal and then going back to work. And I think it's it's pretty detrimental, you know, and, and in the same way we got some more freedom potentially in working in home. There's a lot more stress, there's a lot more anxiety, there's a lot more loneliness, there's a lot more um, sedentary behavior. And I don't really love that piece of, of coming out of quarantine, not to be a negative Nancy, but you know. No, no, I'm I'm with you. Work I think to be it's done. A, it, people work to be done. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the grass is always greener. I think it's like whenever I was working and I had to go to an office, I was like, oh god, why do I have to go to this office? And now that I'm like working at home a lot and I'm working online a lot, I'm like, god, I miss going to the gym or I miss being like face to face with clients or I miss like you know the banter in the office. So there's always something. It's like it's the mind always wants to look at the other side of the fence and go, wow, that was amazing yeah. over there. Um, mm -hmm. but I mean, you, you've gone for this focus on, on women. What, why have you gone down that route rather than being like men and women or like, what is it about that, that space that you think needs to be championed? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I think we all, to some extent when you, what you choose to do for work or like my friend, Logan Galbrick, Galbrick would say like what your peak expression is in the world. And you finally find that thing that like lights you up so much. You want to get up at 6am and do it all day, every day that when we find that thing, it's, it's part of our own healing. And I think I spent a lot of time in my fitness career and my corporate job working around males. That was just a byproduct of me getting into an industry that was very male dominated in the beginning and since has opened up a bit more. And I, I really learned communication styles and alpha energy, if you want to call it that, from the men that I worked with. And some good habits, some bad habits, right? You take, you take what you want, you leave the rest. But the, the way that I started interacting with women in the corporate arena when women first started coming into that space was a little clunky because I, was, I had had to course correct myself. I was in the first job in, I was the first one woman out of 18 men in a division. And it was like that for a number of years. And I had to sort of relearn what it was like to communicate with some feminine energy and a little more softness. You know, this isn't to bucket anybody and I don't necessarily mean females versus males when I say feminine energy, but I needed to be a little more soft a little more curious, a little more inquisitive and um, chatty with females as I was working with them. It just worked better, generally speaking. And so there's some of that that was, you know, this this work I get to do with women is, has continued to heal me and interrelating with females and what we experience on this planet as a reflection of my own femininity. And uh, I tend to, you know, still have a lot of that like alpha energy in me and that's that makes me a great coach and it's something I'm always working on. But when it comes to working with women, I just noticed that there was a very big gap. Number one in the research. So we weren't really, re women in reproductive years uh, until the 80s were sort of banned from the research. And so that's for a number of reasons. The, the number one being that, that we have a hormonal cycle that doesn't function regularly and is very challenging to ma manage in the sense of too many variables in the research, right? And that can get a, a paper or a literature or a study or, or a double blind placebo trial. It can get all those things thrown out. And so um, I'm not saying it was right. I'm saying I understand. <laughs> And now more women are in the research. So that, that gave us this baseline of a lot of the things we're doing are things that were working for men. And we didn't know if they worked for women or not in the health space. And how are we not attenuating or tuning into our cycle, our, our monthly reproductive cycle, or perhaps life cycle when it comes to perimenopause or menopause years, how are we tuning into that and utilizing it to our advantage as opposed to shaming ourselves around our period, around menopause, whatever, or, or you know, not taking care and, and optimizing and creating efficiencies there. So for me, that was super important to do. And I started playing in that space a bit. And um, yeah, wish I could have played in that space a little bit earlier. It took a few of my male mentors, quite frankly, to, to get me on the understanding and page of how we can cycle nutrition, nutrition, fitness, performance, and other things in our lives. 
negotiation and emotion and partnerships with our, our lovers, how we can do all that in a way that feels uh, innately female, innately in tune with the harmony of our body or our biorhythms. And that's, it's a whole, it's a big new category, right? Mm. And that playing in that space is, is fun. And also there are other, you know, let's say tripwires in the world of being a woman that are either societally put on us or we are creating ourselves like any human might have that need coaching. And so for me, it's been an interesting place to play because it's intricate and beautiful and our superpower that we have these extra layers uh, to be able to optimize our well-being. So it's been, it's super fun and it's, it can be a stack of unwinding the past training and mm. societal norms that we have. Un unwinding dogmas and unwinding stuff that people just yeah. see as givens. I mean, like, can you give us some examples of what you mean by like the, the hormonal cycles and how women might tap into particular areas of that? I don't know whether that, that for you relates to training times in the month or like, you know, how people like what, what they should expect around energy levels or what, what is that exactly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure that we're, we're, first of all, let's just put this out there. We're all very bio-individual men and women and everything in between, you know, for exogenous hormones, et cetera. We're all very bio-individual and we need to be able to understand that our experiment of our lives and our health is very specific to us. And then when you look at females and when I'm talking about women or females in this whole episode, whenever I say that, it just means born as a woman, physiological female, genetic makeup and hormonal profile. And so hormonal profile, females can be something that we can lean into as a superpower. Here's an example. We've been for years and years and years and years, periodization training, which is actually a term that has nothing to do with our periods, but periodization training in the gym is using specific periods and weeks and months to be able to build muscle or create hypertrophy, which is growing muscle in the body and deload weeks where we're like taking a little bit of a break to let our body recover and, and get stronger, faster, better. Those styles of programming have been built around the male physique. Doesn't mean it won't work for women. It means that it's not optimal for females, especially females that are not on uh, oral contraceptive or hormonal birth control, because hormonal birth control is not really letting our cycle be what it naturally is. It's pulsing uh, a false cycle in our bodies and then giving us a placebo sugar pill or depending on what kind of birth control you're using. If it's non-hormonal birth control, which is always what I recommend to women, um, but like you do you, because there's a lot of reasons to be on different birth control. Um, but when it's non-hormonal birth control, I typically see the best results in clients. And when you look at the literature, it's more easy to work hand in glove with that because you can optimize quickly and efficiently. Um, so especially with like pro athletes, I think more and more female pro athletes are going off oral contraceptive or hormonal birth control, which is kind of cool. So periodization has been done for men. There's a, uh, there is a better way to do it for, for women. It is uh, cycling with a cycle that is a natural cycle uh, during reproductive years. And just based on the dates, like if you want to be real specific, we look at day like five to let's say 15, it's probably seven or eight days, but every woman's cycle is a little bit different length. So I say maybe like five to 15 or something like that. And we can train as our estrogen is increasing, estrogen is anti-catabolic. This is a big sciencey word, which means it's going to stop muscles from breaking down, It'll help them stick or build if we are training during that week. So I always talk about that as a go hard week for women where we're lifting slow, steady and strong. And we are lifting the most and the heaviest weight of the month, um, the, the least amount of rest days, et cetera. So again, bio-individual, but there's, that's an example of how we can be training differently. Okay. You know, okay. And that's like, if it was like males having that, there would be yeah. like fins, 15 days to fabulous muscle program. Like, yeah. Right, it would yeah. right. I'm writing that down. That's coming out. I think, um, <laughs> but I, yeah i know well no I, I haven't been i haven't been in corporate america with that experience to get those branding names on point <laughs> <laughs> i i um 
I mean, I, I'd heard there was there was some level of of sort of psych, cyclical monthly sort of testosterone rises and falls falls and and different aspects of sort of a male cycle that's going on. But I haven't I only heard that off the cuff. I need to do some more research on that. But it's it's interesting to say like about daily. you have a da- you have more of a daily twenty four hour cycle than you. We do have like a morning life, a know? morning rise as well, right? Like yeah, morning you testosterone have, oh, you rise. Have a morning rise. I hope yeah, so. oh god. Yeah. <laughs> choice words. Choice words. Choice words. And I've, I've, Listen, I have to say, I as a man, I have guy friends that are not always like comfortable talking about it. But when they call me with health, you know, questions or issues, or like some of the guys I'm working with are athletes. They're like, you know, athletes in training for their like triathlon or whatever, and they're like asking me about health questions. And the question comes up, and it's like we need to not not talk about it. It's like if you're a man, uh, you're born a man, and you have a male appendage, and you're waking up in the morning and you don't have at least a bit of an erection, then you know, there's something you could be doing to be able to create more health in your body. Like it's a great sign to have in a morning erection. And so my guy friends are like, all right, Kristen, next topic. Or my clients yeah, are, yes, and I'm yeah, not trying yes. to get, you know, I'm not trying to get, I know a lot about that part of the male cycle in some ways and things that can bolster and support that. And so sometimes I weave those into podcasts, even though I'm like, warrior woman mode. Yeah, there are things, yeah. you know, that are important for our health as as signs right for women one of them is like if you are in your reproductive years getting your period every month in a relatively regular time frame is and should feel like an exciting and wonderful sign mm. that your body mm. is in a healthy state you know yeah same as a direction gentlemen yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. bulletin bulletin everybody oh <laughs> i'm just gonna say erection 15 times on this podcast yeah i know it, 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 feel, it, it feels it feels difficult <laughs> it feels difficult yeah exactly well i'm just going to cut this out there's going to be a special excerpt video it's just going to be erection 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 and period 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 i think it's more difficult for me to talk about periods as a male rather than erections <laughs> well i oh you know i ask a lot of times that people have male audiences that are, are relatively big because there's a few tools in the in my tool belt that i talk about for like the manhood biohacking stack which is all around that like sort of sexual performance and erectile good morning and so sometimes i talk about that you never know you never know quite right yeah ladies you got stuff you can do too but in the female (laughs) space there's a lot of there's a lot of things people are talking about we're not talking about yeah cycling with our, our hormones we're not talking about menopause is getting a little bit more popularized now which is exciting um it's we're not talking about like our periods because they're shame we're not talking about sex or you know satisfaction in the bedroom we're not talking about you know how we can train better faster smarter enough and for me a lot of that is you know if you're a woman you're listening to this podcast right now in this moment check in with what your fitness routine is you need to be lifting heavy weights like you have to lift some heavy shit that's just it that's it whether you like it or you don't like it if you want to age gracefully if you want to keep strong if you want to have core muscles all of that get a strong big booty make a peach all of that you got to lift heavy muscle heavy weights and that is not 100% I mean like if I see one more woman I love Instagram and I hate Instagram and if I see one more super buff perfectly put together matchy matchy outfit woman on the edge of a weight bench curling a five pound dumbbell I don't even Honestly. know what I'll do. It's like, that's not how that woman got strong and looks like that. Yeah. Not from some five yeah. ten pound dumbbell it's, or curls for that matter. Not that that yeah. can't make it's your totally, it's Just, Totally deceptive. You know. It's totally deceptive. Like the amount of, the amount of women and, and a lot of people who just see that as like, it's a it's a dangerous thing or it's a thing that's going to get them super bulky or that they're, they're there in their, their home fitness area doing like, with the little five pound dumbbells or two pound dumbbells like lifting for 20 minutes and they're like oh that'll do but like i'm totally with you like heavy weight all the way like not to not to excess you don't have to injure yourself and you don't have to like you know you just got to be like aiming to put yourself in that strenuous zone of lifting you know to the edge of your to the edge of your abilities and to try and do it well Mm -hmm. and it's just it's it's becoming more valued now i think but it has been so undervalued yeah. for so long it was just like oh my god i don't want to injure myself or that's going to give you bad knees or that's going to give you a bad back i mean like sitting like a like a prawn at a desk that's going to give you a bad back <laughs> yeah and that's it's super true it's really uh it's fun to watch that message grow and go out into the world more and 
there's lots of reasons why we haven't, you know, why we're more risk averse as women can be all the way built back to some of our brain chemistry or neurochemistry and that's okay. And being nervous is why you get a coach or a trainer for a little while. If you're nervous about biomechanics, if you're nervous to walk into a gym for the first time because you feel like you've never trained or you're the oldest one there, whatever, youngest one there, it doesn't matter. Just how do we get, how do I hold our head, how do we hold our heads up high and walk into a space and say, I'm going to give this a old college try. And the other thing that I even was just talking with a new client yesterday about this, where she was saying, I just didn't really understand that I was like putting together a rep scheme or like the way that I lift weights, the format, how many in a row or how many times, et cetera, that I was like doing that to get to, to like a failure because I don't want to go in the gym and I don't want to feel like I failed. But like that for, for, for efficient, effective strength training, for longevity boosting, for the beauty of your body, for recompositioning body fat off, for losing weight, for a lot of things. I hate the term losing weight, losing body fat. That's what you got to do. You have to try to lift to failure. And just perfectly like you said, Finn, it's not about being unsafe or biomechanically in poor form. It is about lifting what you can lift safely heavy as hell and getting to a place where you're like maybe i can't complete that i do my seventh rep and i'm going for eight but i can't quite do the eighth and that's okay because your 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 minimum effective dose of stress on your body you know not to say that a 90 year old woman wouldn't be like 10 pounds as heavy on some move like it could be it's all relative yeah. Exactly. It's got to be relative. But I also think regardless of your your like stage in the gym, whether you're on day one or whether you're on day like a thousand, like I think it's better to work with a coach like because yeah. the, the stuff that you can you can kid yourself into thinking that you're doing well just because you're moving it and just because you've avoided pain for a certain amount of time. But there's nothing like having someone there who's going to say, actually, no, you can correct this a bit more or like at this weight, your form goes like because it's so easy to just like to have good yeah. form up until a certain weight and just to get that little ego pops up and you're like yeah i'm gonna stick an extra five kilos on and your form just goes shit which means there's just one little link in the chain missing but you don't necessarily you're not necessarily in the best position to know that you're trying to look sideways you're trying to look in the mirror you're trying to you know you might set up your phone and your camera and like it's just nothing quite like having an experienced coach there with you um and i think that's very, what very yeah and i think that's what um like it, it's leaving that ego behind so especially when people start in the gym and start with something new it's like not expecting that you're going to be good and not expecting that you're going to be good for you know some years to come like you just have to have that attitude of like wanting to be consistent and wanting to wanting to work and get better yeah yeah for sure so so like when you're working with a when you're new with a new client what's your um I mean, obviously it's very individual, but like what's your sort of go-to biohack and what's your sort of like thought process for the first like couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, I work with women in one of two ways, either in a one-on-one -on -one private coaching program over the course of a year. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So you either work a year with me or you don't. Um, I love you, but I also want people to know that that's a really important thing is committing to consistency. And the other way that women work with me is in a group coaching program. So that's another year long program. It is um, group coaching calls and an online course that I have that's called um, Wow Factor. It's like warrior woman mode online. And that that was sort of born out of quarantine. So I would have enough videos and content for people to be able to do some things at home. It isn't necessarily like workout videos. There are a few in there, but it is about finding the eight areas of health that we need to work on over the course of a year and then taking them on one at a time. Because if, if I said to you, here's everything all at once, just like anything else in life, you'd be like, that's too much. I can't adhere. I cannot put all that in, all the newness, all the change, and then just go for it. it it's a lot and it can be confusing. So step-by-step step, we walk through it in the course and I get on calls and I answer any questions and I coach people online and people will send me form videos on their phone or they will say, this is going on with my period or this is going on with my gut. Um, but I, I, I always look at the baselines of what the nutrition is and what the fitness variance is first. And if you're asking about biohacks, I'd say the lowest mm. hanging fruit. I talk about breath and I get everybody I work with in the year long one on one program, I get them a, an aura ring. And so some okay. kind of tracker, aura ring or a bio strap is typically you get what them I recommend. On, so get an them aura ring. Tech. What, 
What, what's an Oro ring? An Oro ring? So an Oro ring looks like this. Ah, uh, okay. And that is a sleep tracker, a period tracker, a breath, SpO2, a heart rate variability tracker. Uh, uh, my BioStrap is on the ch charger right now in the other room, but that's one that is on your wrist. It does a very similar thing. Uh, you want to get one, not both, because they they slight their metrics are slightly different measurements the way they do it. But the BioStrap is great, and the Oura Ring is great, and they both do a, a phenomenal job of, around sleep. And that's like really the thing that we continue to learn is the baseline for health. So, managing and understanding your sleep, managing and understanding your breath, and then um, and then starting to lean in on the baseline items, which are food and fitness. And 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 just I'll just roll you back. You mentioned eight areas of health. Can you list them off yeah. for us? Wow, sure. Let's see what happens. Yeah, so, sorry, I put you right on the spot there. Like, this is a it's, test. No, it's totally perfect. It's just I probably have to, like, write them while I do them because I know the, the, the order. And, and interestingly enough, I'd, breath to me is a very important piece, and so is sleep. But in the online course, I go right into their intro and then defining their baseline, which is so baseline understanding is where am I right now across the landscape of my health? It's almost like the introductory who am I? How fit am I? This is not a judgment thing in the sense of like good or bad. It's just like, how many push-ups can I do? Do I eat McDonald's or do I eat clean? You know, what are the basics? Do I have lab work I can look at? Am I taking any supplements now? And really understanding where you're starting, right? Because everyone's going to be starting at a very different place. And then we work through, I, I work through nutrition first and then fitness. And those aren't necessarily to me as important as sleep and breath, but nobody wants to start a course with something that's like, Let's talk about sleep because they get bored. So we get a baseline understanding and then we do fitness and then we do um, nutrition and then we do uh, breath, fitness, nutrition, breath, meditation, cold exposure. There's a little bit about sauna in that. Uh, we talk about red light therapy. We talk about cycling with our cycle. Okay. And, and then there's um, a couple of bonus modules in there where I talk about a ton of different biohacking tech and a ton of different other things. Yeah. But yeah. um but yeah, those are the baselines, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean there's it would it's very easy when you look at the full picture of health to get overwhelmed. And like I think that a huge barometer that I use is what you mentioned there, sleep. Like if generally you can see how you can feel within yourself like how healthy you are depending on how restful your sleep feels when you wake up in the morning because so much revolves around like getting if you get efficient sleep you repair properly and if you repair properly then you you will function better the next day and if you're not getting good sleep yeah. there's going to be a reason behind your circadian rhythm your hormone profile like what you're putting into your body like how you're stimulating yourself in the morning are you relying on caffeine to get up and be, and feel alert and if your body is naturally able to calm down at night and to sleep properly then it's a real barometer to, to it showing you that it's happy or not so i think that that sleep item is like a huge barometer but behind whether whether people's like nutrition is right fitness is right i mean any, loads of these you could start you could almost start like analyzing someone's someone's overall health based on any of these so if factors you could spend a year on sleep if someone has sleep dysfunction to just get their sleep right you could spend a year easily on nutrition easily on fitness it's just exactly really trying to give people enough information that they can start to make change because mm. you can only dive into the level that you're comfortable with a, a bit of, I, I always I talk about it like snackable content. It has to be snackable. If it's like you're trying to eat the whole pie, it just doesn't translate very well. And then recognize like too, I have a my module that's the biggest one in my online course and the one we end, we obviously talk about the entire year I'm working with people is nutrition. And it's almost in a two a two part series, right? Like a massive I have a meal plan and suggestions and nutrition and different styles of eating and every when I work one on one with people, it's highly customized. So it depends on if they're training for a you know, if they're a professional athlete and they're training for something specific contextually, or if they are um, a householder, you know, or a mom who's never worked out her entire life and is just turning 60, like it doesn't, everything in between, it doesn't matter. We have to figure out the course of food and how that makes sense. And then part two of that is like supplementation, right? So everyone hates, not everyone, lots of people are like supplementation. I hate taking all these pills and getting regimented and getting an order. And what do I take and why? Or I just read this thing that this dude wrote on 
WebMD or some blog and I just got the iodine because they said get the iodine and all of that is like the worst thing you can possibly do. And so part of part two of nutrition is what I call supplementation mode, which is like once we have nutrition on lockdown, we have some lab work. What do we do with with supplements like that is actually going to benefit us and not break our budget, right? It's a lot of people throwing a lot of money. They call it it's like expensive urine. You took all those supplements yeah. you didn't really need. So we yeah, try to be more it's... prescriptive around that. Yeah, it's 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 difficult the supplement world. I mean, I was speaking to uh, this guy, Dr. Russell Jaffe, the other day, and he's got a um, he's a company called Perk, and that no affiliation here. And uh, the company is like is is super high end and super um, adamant around their their lab quality, because there are so many yeah. products out there that just aren't what they say they are or are slightly misleading um you know around certainly around like fish oils just being seen as fish oils or omega-3s being as omega-3s and like we have plenty of omega-6s in the diets from like seed oils and canola oils and, and different types of like vegetable oils and we're not really getting the actual omega-3s but they're just being touted in these um supplements as like fish oils so i think there's a lot to be desired for a lot to be sought in the supplements market um, yeah, and if I, people got to stop buying random brands on Amazon, this is not a slight on Amazon, of course, it's just, you know, there's something called fairy dusting in the industry and these proprietary blends that are like, you can put one granule of the thing that you say is the helping agent because it's really expensive and the rest of it is either filler or all these other vitamins and that don't support it in a proprietary blend. And that's just like, you're paying all this money and you're getting something that would take eons of time to be able to actually affect your system. And that's like not cool. So I, I'm very prescriptive about where I, I'm the woman who writes and calls or knows the owners and meticulously their visits their headquarters or talks to customer service for an hour or two a month or like insanely. It's like Thorn, it's like Thorn. I use a lot of their products because their customer service team will stay on the phone with me as long as I have questions for as long as I want. They send me information. Yeah, I bet they love They're, you everything about their about their supplements and that's really really helpful to me to understand there's purity and there's quality sourcing and i also like sometimes i make you know i'm judge I, I judge based on i think from nutrition standpoint why they're putting something in or leaving something out for the general public because it's a formulation for basically the general public and some of their stuff is for athletes but they have to make calls as well so i'm, I'm really prescriptive about where i buy and how i buy things and i typically send people to my Instagram bio link and say, look, here's all the brands that I've found to be best experientially and research wise. Doesn't mean there aren't other great brands, but like, I'm sure you see this too. People are like, oh, this one's inexpensive online. And it's like, well, you got it on Amazon. You never heard of it before. The review there has three reviews costs $20 less. Maybe that collagen isn't for you. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I find like sometimes some of the some of the worst ones are the ones with most reviews because they're cheap and they've just got either a load of people to buy it or they've gamed the reviews somehow. And it's like, hey, look at this. Some super cheap. Away, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like people see, I think the yeah. other one I saw the other day was like vitamin D, super high strength. And I'm a big fan of vitamin C, vitamin D, super high strength. But it, the, they would they were doing it with soft gel caps and the soft gel caps were bulked with corn oil and canola oil and i was like that's you know you're taking this in caps and you and that's pretty bad for your digestion digestion and your inflammation and you yeah. know so, so it's like a double-edged sword you got like you're looking at the one thing that gives it that like fairy dust or halo which is the high vitamin d and you just you're not looking at all the other stuff in there so um yeah but yeah, in terms in, in terms of your own, like, uh, your own health and your own areas, like where you started and your biohacks, like what was your, what was your kind of strength? Like what really pulled you in? Like, was it nutrition or was it fitness? I know you had this dance, this dance history. Um, I think food was the, it was the, it was like the hook. Food was the hook. Cause I was exploring all of these different eating lifestyles and that really just let me do, let me like win and lose in my own body, just experience different things, you know? trying trying them all and trying these like on-trend diets as like time went by and um working and, and listening to people like mark sisson in the early days who's sort of the the father of, of the paleo primal diet and uh just an exquisite human being on the planet trying to make positive change in the food resource world and 
in the fitness source in the fitness world just saying hey that we can do this differently and burning fat as fuel is a lot of his um, taking the research and summarizing it for us all Gundry came before him and was doing a little bit of that and you know there's some great people on the shoulders I get to stand on that I've learned from but that gave me some insight to being the weird girl as well like going to my corporate job in the early days and being that girl that was like doing things differently or putting butter in her coffee when Dave when Dave came around and people being like you're gonna die and so yeah playing in that arena with OMAD like one meal a day and liquid diets and vegetarianism and just you know whatever I could get my hands on and so figuring that out and layering that in was cool and then along came with us so a lot of tech heads as you know or you know men in the tech world coming in into play with the biohacking industry or people like ben greenfield who was sort of like really experimenting at a higher risk level for someone who was like triathlon training and endurance athlete training and how he put those two things together and ben is a you know a family man and doing all those things that he's doing now and that's great but in his younger years he was a bit more uh he's still kind of a risk taker right but he was like red light on your balls and cryotherapy and peptides <laughs> and all this early and you know women look at that differently and part of the reason i use the term biohacking which is polarizing and a lot of people don't like the term i use it often because i'm trying to continue to get women to feel like that's an approachable term that they can do and so i i tried lots of the things in the early days you know i, I got a lot more understanding and the ability to speak on stages about red light therapy and cold and breath and all of that by really leaning in hard to those categories in the last, you know, into recovery in the last five or six years. But I've been using tools like that for a very long time, you know. I, I think there's, I think there's, uh, there's levels of biohacking as well. Like some levels getting super complicated, and then if you just roll it back to what it is simply, like it's just understanding your biology and trying to work with your biology. I mean, it's as simple as like when yeah. it gets dark at night, not having too many lights on, allowing your natural like hormones to kick in to make you sleepy. Like that's a biohack. Totally. Like taking drinking a cup of coffee to, to get you through some work or to get you through like something you need to be stimulated for, like that's a biohack. You're just working with the, the like tools in your body and it gets, it gets cast into this super like woo woo magical like world where it's like, and there is a, is a certain amount of like complexity once it gets to the higher levels, like the red light therapy and like some of the uh, tropic, tropic hormone supplementation. Um, so, I mean, what's your, what do you think's made the biggest yeah, just, impact? You know, this is the thing. This is the thing with biohacking yeah. too, though, is it's not, we can say, uh, you know, I, it's hashtag biohacking. Just look at it on Instagram. There's shit on there that's like, here's my new dress, biohacking. I just, <laughs> yeah. the, next pod, the next podcast episode I'm launching is called Biohacking BDSM. And it, it is about trauma adjustment and trauma, recovering from, from trauma using BDSM, which is a bit more of like a, you know, a, a lifestyle choice, but working with coaches in that arena because it's happening. That's interesting to me. Right. And so is it fully biohacking? Maybe because it's like hacking trauma recovery without talk therapy and using something else. So there's this really wide swath where people start to say biohacking is everything. And I don't think it is everything. I think it's like when we try to level up from where we are to something that's more effective and efficient. And so that's why it, it feels like everything is because for someone, they're like, I'm gonna have a cup of black coffee at McDonald's. It's like, I'm always gonna chair at McDonald's. Yeah, hashtag and biohack. That's great. But, then they, but then they realize like maybe that there's mold in that and they're gonna go and get a better, more expensive, potentially coffee and they make it home and they are now biohacking their shitty coffee habit they used to have and actually making it better and more efficient and effective. Then the next person is gonna go, Awesome. I'm going to take my coffee and I'm going to make it super mold free and single origin and organic. And I'm going to layer in L-theanine and I'm going, which is like going to give a slight nootropic effect, like energy and not the crash. And I'll make it bulletproof with grass fed butter and coconut oil, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like all these different levels we can layer in at nauseum. And for some people, that's cool. Like they want to, I'm a super nerd when it comes to my biohacking my coffee. And right now I don't even do caffeine. I'm like, biohacking my decaf coffee wow. to get it to taste wow. good when did you come off caffeine is that, is that a new thing you're off caffeine i've been off caffeine for better part of four months i probably have had four cups of coffee that have caffeine in them in the sense of uh, i'm either traveling or someone's like brought me one graciously mm. for an event or something and i'm like all right it's not caffeinated nothing else is available i can choose to not have it but 
how are you feeling with that uh, it's kind of cool. I've been doing, uh, I've been holding, I'm like holding in my hand, funnily, funnily enough, one of the Newtopia, um, nootropics that I will take. Uh, I've been blend- mixing it with different things. So I'm still having caffeinated, sorry, decaf coffee, or I'm having some mornings I will have a little bit of um, a cacao tea, which is a minute steeping. And there's a little bit of, there's a tiny, tiny bit of caffeine, like a light tea in there. Um, but not much. And I'm bulletproofing it some mornings and then not others. And then having it with nootropics or microdosing. And I've been playing with a, a bunch of different stacks just to see what makes me feel good. But I will say this, for me, the issue on switching to decaf, the biggest issue is taste. Mm. I want it to taste like a robust, black, know, amazing caffeinated coffee does. And there's just something about the Swiss water process of decaffeination or something that is I haven't yeah. really quite found like a dark roast decaf that makes me feel like, yes. Like you're but drinking real coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm getting close. And, yeah. Well, I'm not drinking coffee because my cortisol numbers were like pretty nutso and my hormones have been getting a little wacky. So yeah, I made that choice and that's okay. Mm. I, I mean, I've it's something I've been dwelling on for the last like 10 years of like coming off caffeine. I think that like to my shame, I think there's probably a week not a week consecutively, but seven days total in the last 10 years when I haven't had a cup of coffee, at least one cup of coffee. Like, and, you know, like, I, I did, and on those days, like, I had headaches. I had headaches, like, I was low energy. Like, my body is That's so reliant on play. caffeine. That's when you need to play with, like, the how do I titrate this down and not have an addiction to it. And also, caffeine has been vilified for years, and a moderate amount of caffeine has benefits. Mm. brain chemistry neurochemistry all of it so so yeah i think it's just like the 400 ounces of coffee a day drinker or someone who's drinking a lot of you know just say crappy coffee right it's like test your mold test your your toxicity level some of that might show up there you know there's other things but i like you know i like coffee as much as the next person so if anyone's listening to this and knows of robust flavored decaf coffee. No one will have an answer. No one Get does in that. Touch. No one does Get that. in if touch. Get in touch. Tell us. Tell me. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hear the listening figures that everyone's gonna log off as soon as you say that. <laughs> Don't talk to this I woman. Know, right? <laughs> I mean, well, I, it's for my cortisol response. Yeah. I, I think everyone can have caffeine. It's great. It's just in my mm. lab work, my cortisol was, was spiked pretty high, so I, I decided yeah. to take six months off. Hundred percent. I'm. Uh, I'm I, I want to do it. I just, every day I kick the can down the road. I'm like, nah, I'll do it tomorrow. Like I wake up, it's a real joy in the morning. Like that first cup of coffee. It is a like, joy, yeah. And not to rub it in, but like that first heavily caffeinated cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> it's just like. For me, it's yeah. like more about the ritual. I think that's what I missed. And so I still have a ritual of making something hard and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's like 100%. backwards biohacking in my coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and one thing i wanted to pull you up on you you mentioned biohacking bdsm like how do we get to that (laughs) (laughs) so i interviewed this really wonderful dominatrix named mistress natalie and she has a program called kinky coaching and she works i'd say with 80 percent males and 20 percent is females or couples and really uh getting people to explore their kink right so that may be something as simple as being spanked or uh, visual kink, right? Like not even necessarily sexual in the, the word touching, but something that turns them on. Um, people with fetishes, so if they've had, in many cases, this I don't know if this will sound weird or not, but in many cases they will, if someone has an experience with like a, a hospital that's scary or an experience somehow in their life that's trauma, they want to sort of recreate that in a way that is, um, it could be a number of things, right? Either kinkified or cartoonified or made lighter or made much more mm. dominant and submissive, et cetera, and so that they feel like there's some control in the space. So someone holding a container who, by the way, is a professional and has a background in working with people in these sorts of traumas, or they have not, um, perhaps it's a person who has like been holding back on something that is their kink, that they're really into, like sexually or physically or just viscerally looking and seeing something that they can't share with their partner, or maybe they haven't come out about it, if you will, right? It doesn't mean necessarily gay, straight, LBGTQ, whatever. It just means they haven't come out about it because they're in a 25-year marriage and they want to be tied up, but they're afraid to ask. And so she'll work with couples in that realm to try to get some comfort there. And uh, she'll work with people who are trying to process through like 
challenging hospital issues that they had, etc., by um, kinkifying it, you know, and that's uh, it's an interesting space to play in, and it's like you Super know, I think there can be some. Yeah, there can be some fun there, of course, right? And keeping mm. it a little bit like not taking ourselves too seriously that we're like, I like a ball gag or whatever. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I like to be spanked, whatever it might be. Yeah. It's okay, right? There's a lot of shame in that area. And the, the reason that builds back to me to biohacking or mental health is because holding and carrying a lot of shame in our bodies at a cellular level can make us sick. You know, and so how do we explore all the things we want to explore and understand there are plenty of communities and, and, you know, sometimes people will, I, I wonder if people will listen to the episode and say, hmm, it launches next week. Um, I wonder if people <laughs> will listen to the episode and say, wow, that's like some of what she talked about is way far out there. But, um, like my friend Alexa always reminds me, she's works also in like a sex coaching kind of industry. She's like, Hey, you think that this thing that's totally taboo and crazy and out there is like all the way on the other side of the road, but you're like sitting on the sofa and actually that thing is like right there next to you. Like you don't know until you've really thought about it or maybe explored it or tried it, or maybe it's not as weird quote unquote, as you might think. And so just, you don't ever have to do any of those things that other people are doing, but isn't it nice to just be open-minded enough to say, well, that person feels better by doing that. And 100%. that's, you know, that's something I wanted to talk about in that landscape. I know it's like a crazy title, but it's like, you know, it's the work that she does as a dominatrix and a kinky coach. And she's been doing it for 25 years. So I really trusted that putting her on the podcast would feel uh, not overly sensationalized. And also as a super, it's a super fun conversation. And I think I, I'm like, I say the, I say like butt plug like three times. And every time I say it, I'm like, hi, mom. Hi, mom. Yeah, How butt you doing? Butt plug, butt plug. <laughs> there's, so something, like, yeah, there's something I, around that, isn't it? There's a topic that comes up. This I don't know what you're going to call this podcast. It's going to be like erection, erections, butt it's, plugs. It's changing um, as we speak. I know. <laughs> Listen, I, I, biohacking has always been a lot around fitness and nutrition and how we can optimize and technology and elite supplementation. And there's always been talked about. But there are lots of things that we are holding on to when it comes to the shame space that we can shift, right? It's why I facilitate sometimes cold and breath in the plant medicine space. I work in a lot of different arenas because what I've noticed over the years of coaching is that if we wake up in the morning every morning and we look in the mirror and we speak to ourselves in a negative way and we talk shit about our bodies or ourselves or ourselves, that we take that in, we are listening. We are listening in every moment. So you know, how do we get up and take a positive tone to the day and without spiritually bypassing stuff we need to talk about? And that's important, right? And that may be through an outlier style thing. This is what biohacking was always about. It's like, what are the outlying places to play? And for some people, that's like red light therapy. They're like, what is this? Like a red light bulb panel that hangs on my wall. And why can't I just buy a dollar ninety-nine light bulb on Amazon that's red? And what, how does that work and how does that make me recover or fire my mitochondria in my cells? That might be like totally cutting edge. And for other people who have had a red light panel for two years or more, they're like, well, what's next? What's, what else is out there that I can continue to, to get back closer to the person I was always meant to be, right? Because I believe all of us have this beautiful capacity inside of us. And we've spent years maybe layering instead of like unpeeling the onion to find out the inside, but we're layering shit on top of ourselves. We're like saying, hey, what, you know, here's a construct, I'm not good enough. I don't feel worth. I'm not as strong as that other person at the gym. I don't have willpower to eat something that's healthy, whatever. It's like, how do we shift those? How do we like move those gently to the side and really, you know, come back to our own, come back to the best people that we were, that we can be. And, and that is, to me what it's all about right and and doesn't have to be red light therapy could be doesn't have to be you know getting on a chilling mattress to keep your body temperature cooler because you're sleeping poorly but you know if you're sleeping poorly let's find some solutions for you this is why it's so individual fan right it's like it could be sex it could be sleep it could be skin it could be food it could be so much and there's this is a, a beautiful journey Right. If you listen to Andrew Huberman, we talk. He talks a lot about 
what the dopamine journey is that we all think when I get to the end, I'll be so excited. <laughs> and the dopamine actually comes, the joy comes, like as lame as this sounds from everyone says the joy is in the journey, the joy comes on the path to getting the, you know, the, the, the end game, the win, the goal or the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a, um, the journey sweeter. Yeah, it's it's all about the process, and that's what trying to get people to enjoy is about. I mean, nothing should be off limits, really. Like in terms of like p- the pursuit of either optimal health or optimal wellness or optimal mental mental health. So like, I don't know. It's it's yeah. it's. Uh, I think it's either Kelly Starrett um, or another guy who's yeah. like, how did we move before we learned to move? Like when it was just a natural thing and like, how did we think before we learned to think in a certain way? Like before we learned to think in a way where we're taking orders all the time or we're like, we're not taking initiative yeah. or where we're, we're thinking of being like submissive to someone else or we have power over someone else. Like how did we think just when we were natural? Like, and that's what's difficult to get at. Like maybe we're, maybe we're all meant to be in these hierarchies of society. Like, I don't know, Jordan Peterson always talks about like the, the hierarchy system or the serotonin system of the lobster. Like even a lobster has the same, I know it's a terrible analogy. Even a lobster has the same like serotonin system that we have that, that gives you that hierarchy in society that lets you know whether it gives you that feeling of wellness depending on how you feel in relation to others. So yeah. like maybe that's built in, like what, what is an uphill battle and what, what should we not be fighting against? That's, that's the difficult thing to, to decide. Yeah, and I think giving ourselves a little bit of grace, which we suck at, and then specifically with females, like we're talking about women's physiology, like we are more susceptible to anxiety, to sleeplessness, to stress, uh, different parts of our life for sure, but just like even in the monthly cycle, we have times when we are more intuitive, and that is neurochemically the, the, the reality, and we have times when we're more sensitive, we're more insular, uh, you know, all of that is is real, and so how we function and how we respond to certain situations like a global pandemic can end us up after two years of that it's like little micro stressors every day maybe burnt out and tired and anxious and all of that is not our best selves and even in that hierarchy of serotonin feeling like shit like that is not there's more and so that's the other thing you know coming off of this pandemic i feel really fortunate because i um I found tools and I forced ways of force is like a word I try not to use, but I like allowed tools to enter my life. Really, I tried to, I probably forced some things in my life, outdoor gym and a new job and some things um, like a new program that I was working in because I, I needed to fulfill my extroversion in a time that no one was seeing each other. And at that point I was living alone. And so many people are right now are in this space of mental un, un, you know, it's like they're unwell mentally. And that is, I got to tell you, I talk to people all day long for a living. Like this is about their deepest, darkest things. And this is not uncommon. Nobody is, should feel alone right now. Like there's better days are coming and there are tools that we can use and, and they can be as simple as breath work or, you know, a morning cup of coffee or whatever to create joys in our life that can open us up. But getting in community is super important and talking or finding a way to process, let's say, maybe it's not talking, but finding a way to process the emotion or a physical response. Like how many of us were in the house? I, I, I ice bath all the time. And I got, I had an ice bath on my roof and I was like, I'm kind of afraid when I lived in California in the beginning of the pandemic. And I thought, I didn't like cognitively think this, but this is what was happening. I was like, oh, I'm like under wraps and watching news. And like, I don't want to go on the roof deck. This helicopter, it's my roof it's so deck. fucked up. Like why did I didn't go there? So for like two months, I didn't yeah. ice plunge. Like I was like, it's not okay because COVID, you know, whatever. And it's, it's not, you know, it's not realistic. It's just your body has this response against trauma or like, you know, excited activity or whatever it might be. And, and you're like, ma, this is an unprecedented thing in our society. And so there are so many tools that respond, that help our nervous system respond and feel safe. And we've forgotten how to use them. Mm-hmm. And well, they, maybe or- we didn't use them as much before, but yeah. we need to now. Or maybe they were just maybe they were just natural, like in our daily habits. Like, I mean, I was talking again. Dr. Russell Jaffe talks about like harmonizing your pineal gland just by being in the green, like being in the green of a forest. Like, 
I thought like totally. And but, but what happened to a lot of us during the pandemic? We got stuck inside for extra, extra, extra hours. And now even I'm like, what am I doing inside? I can be on the porch. I can be on the lawn doing this like work or editing or whatever. And it's like amazing to see people doing that again and getting out. And we need to be doing it more, like reforesting ourselves. You know. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's just it's and not you know because you're in Mexico, so you got a good reforestation. I'm living the dream. There. I'm living the dream. To be honest, I look outside my door. Although you all my window, all my windows are closed at the moment because it's it's noisy here. That's one thing. Like I live in a noisy oh, yeah. place. Like noise pollution one oh one. Like three a.m. I've got some guy tearing past in like a really <sighs> loud motorbike, and then like mariachi music blaring all over the place, and like you just <laughs> just gotta become accustomed to like it's just loud here. So like yeah. I don't know. I sleep with earplugs now, um, like pretty much all the time. But yeah, I think I think the pandemic gave gave people the chance to like either breathe. For, like some people, the lucky chance to breathe from going into the office every day and then reassess like what they really want their health to be like and to actually be aware of their health. Like because sometimes you just weren't aware of your health. Like you just go into the office, you drink your coffee, you drink your tea, you have a bit of cake in the afternoon, and then you go home. And you've just played with your insulin and caffeine levels throughout the whole day. And then you're, you're tired at night. And like you haven't really taken into account any of your, your natural flows or your natural daily rhythms. Um, so yeah. I, think, I think it's... This it's is why I want people to breathe better. Yeah. We can do it with breath, centering ourselves and like getting ourselves healthier. Yeah. You yeah. And, and, and that actually leads us on to like... Pardon? I said, play with all the fun toys, do all the things, right? Get in the ice, which is like a big thing I love. And let's, if we can breathe better, we can calm our state and we can be more focused or at least clear in the midst of everything else in our life. A hundred percent. And that leads us on to, I was going to ask you, I got some police in the background. Welcome to Mexico. Oh, it's so funny. I thought it was here. I was like looking at the window. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe I'm just going to let these guys, I'm going to let these guys roll past. I'm going to hear a knock on my door in a minute. episode where you get arrested yeah exactly (laughs) we've got bdsm we've got me being arrested we've got erections we've got periods we've got it all we've got got periods we've got strife and strain and and wins from women it's you know we've got everything um but to, to just to wrap it all up i was wondering and i asked you a little bit before is like what is the one simple thing that a person can do to add to their morning routine or any part of their day to feel more energized? I mean, the one simple thing I always will say is breath. It's just tuning in. So if you want to be real prescriptive about it, um, and you know, I would say breath and cold together. Everyone has access for the most part, although it's harder when you're in a warmer climate to cold shower. But the, the, the first thing we can do is get up and give ourselves, sort of serve ourselves, whether our coffee's brewing or whatever's happening with like five to 10 minutes of really um, good breath work. And that, you know, good breath work can mean a lot of different things. If you're waking up and you're feeling stressed about the day you're going into, then you want to downregulate your nervous system, right? So just 2x breathing, whatever you breathe in for doesn't have to be overdone or time. Just breathe in for a count of four to yourself, exhale for a count of eight. Um, nasal breathing is what I prefer in the morning, most days I imagine, and, and it can really serve us well to calm our state and to get the body a bit healthier by using the nose to breathe versus the mouth. doesn't mean we shouldn't breathe through the mouth, it just means there are specific good times for that. And if you're waking up tired and groggy and sluggish, then maybe there's some super ventilated breathing you can do with like big forceful inhale through the nose. Exhale through the mouth, like you're like you're blowing out candles on a cake. No one does that anymore post COVID, but just you know, and doing some cycles of like 15, 20 of those breaths, and then just taking a moment, maybe doing some small submaximal breath holds again safely, and just like getting your system to be excited for the day. And and by excited, I do mean like your nervous system waking it up and getting it ready to go. And it all depends on where you show up in the morning, right? So. Nasal breathing most of the day is awesome. And then really just focusing and honing in on your breath and tuning in with your body, how you're feeling, your emotions, and then breathing a bit in a way that feels good. And then noticing where your body and your state is, and then you go off into your day. So breath for sure, if you have access to a cold shower or even better, a cold tub, but um, a cold shower is really nice, you know, and it doesn't have to be scary and it could be contrast if you need it to be, but end on cold, 
still feel energized. It's a really solid mood booster. Gives you a little bit of brain chemistry that will make you feel positive and ready to ready to go and, and lean into your day. And when I first heard about cold showers, I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and then you do it and, and you're amazed that it works and you get kind of like addicted in a healthy sense to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I mean, I, I unfortunately here in Mexico and in Puerto Vallarta, like it's super hot and humid the whole time. So even the pipes that are running underground, like to get here, they're warm, like or warm ish. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like 17 or 18 degrees. Like, so it, that's as cold as it gets for me. Don't have a, only? don't have a bathtub. No shower only. Yeah. So I was actually thinking about buying one of those, like a big bin and then filling it full of ice on like one day and just being like once a week, I'm going to have an ice bath, like sitting in a little bin. But uh, I yeah, haven't, yeah. I haven't plucked up the courage to do that yet. But when I was in England, like I used to do them the whole time and they change your life. They like get you up, they get you alert, you're ready for the day. So good, so good for longevity, so good for hormonal re-regulation, so good for so much. It's amazing. Um, anyway, Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time today. If anyone listening out there wants to find out more about you or, or see you online, like where can they find you? Easiest place to find me is at uh, on Instagram because that has sort of the portal tentacles to everything that I do. Instagram is Warrior Woman Mode. I have a podcast that's called the Well Power Podcast. Talks a lot about biohacks and things like that, women's health. And then uh, SherpaBreathAndCold.com is a website that is all about breath and cold exposure. I run an instructor training. I've been um, getting booked this whole year. I launched it this year. Getting booked to travel around and. Uh, Austin and then Toronto next and so it's really cool if you want to get take your coaching to the next level or your practice I have like massage therapists I have lots of people coming to take it to be able to like serve and heal people in the world with breath and cold exposure so that's like a weekend long course it's super fun I do in person we get to see each other Mm, amazing um Kristen thank you so much again and um I'm I'm looking forward to the uh biohacking BDSM episode after an hour what does he take from it yeah typical, there we go typical host. you can see what's stuck um, in the yeah, mind it's out there it's out there thank you so much for having me it's so wonderful to be connected and see your shining face and, and thanks for all the work you do and all the education you're putting out it's great that's a pleasure it's a pleasure thank you so much and we'll speak again soon okay